Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to the Broad Experience, the show about women, the workplace, and success. I'm Ashley Miltite. This time, why don't more women turn their expertise into a book? You know, writing a book is deep work and it's so hard to carve out time. And we know that women are still shouldering the bulk of domestic duties. So for me, the only way I actually got my book finished in the end was to, um, to get away from my family. I just left them. Coming up, women as writers and readers of business books. My second ever job in London was in publishing. The office was a handsome 18th century building. There were occasional mice and no air conditioning in the summer. There were a lot of women, though. Alison Jones started her career in publishing in England right around the same time, but she stuck with it. After many years in editorial jobs, she became Director of Innovation Strategy at publisher Palgrave Macmillan, Basically, her mandate was to work out how to keep selling content in a world that increasingly expects to get it for free. Then the company decided to move all its arms to London, and Alison and her family live in a village in the south of England. She did not want to move everybody to the big city. She'd been thinking a lot about the future anyway, and decided it was time for a change. I decided actually, do you know what? Publishing is broken. You know, this is this is not a viable model in, in the modern world. And I'm going to retrain. Uh, I love, you know, mentoring, training, coaching, that kind of stuff. So I retrained as a business coach. And um, it was hilarious because as soon as I started working with people, all they wanted to talk to me about was publishing their book. Her coaching clients were all business people and they all seemed to have a book in them. So Alison decided to start her own company, Practical Inspiration Publishing. I partner with businesses to help them publish intelligently. A publisher just sort of takes your manuscript and publishes the book typically and they're completely invested in selling as many copies as possible because that's how they make their money. But I'm much more invested in making the book work for the business because when the business succeeds, if the two are aligned really beautifully, we can make the book succeed and vice versa. She tends to work with businesses that offer services rather than products. So one of her clients is a customer service consultant. She has a guy who runs an outdoor school, a yoga teacher... I have an HR consultant, a menopause coach. Wow, a menopause coach? That, I didn't even know that such a thing existed. That sounds brilliant. Well, exactly. And that's kind of part of her thing is let's talk more about this. In fact, it's interesting. We've just had a big double page, two day spread in the Daily Mirror, which is great. She runs a sort of 10 day challenge. Uh, but she also goes into organisations and says, look, this is what's happening to your senior women. And if you don't, if you're unaware of it, if you're not dealing with it properly, you're going not to get, not get as much out of them as you could. And you're going to have people leaving and, and not performing well. So let's talk about this because the problem is nobody talks about it. I feel a future show coming on. Anyway, Alison loves her new gig, complete with challenges. The shift is, content isn't scarce anymore. What's scarce is attention. 
So the power balance, if you like, has shifted from the author who has something valuable to impart to the reader uh, to the reader who has a plethora of stuff that they can look at and they have to decide where they're going to put their attention. So what you're doing as a business author is making a stake for that attention. One of the ways Alison helps them do that is through her podcast, The Extraordinary Business Book Club. She interviews the author of a new business book every week. She talks to men and women, but she says it's harder to find women. A couple of years ago, she wrote a piece for The Guardian that I read at the time. In it, she considered why books about business are so much more likely to be written by men than women. She said unless more women wrote business books, we'd never shake the perception that business is a man's game and women readers would continue to lack role models. Is this still true from your vantage point in 2000, early 2018? Do you know, it's funny, I went back and looked at the research I did then. And I, did, I mean, it's, it's not, this is not extensive, exhaustive research, but I did a snapshot. When I wrote that article in February 2016, I had a look at the Amazon bestseller list for business books. And in the top 20 business books on Amazon, 17 were written by men. And of the other three, two of them were about decluttering. So <laughs> I think both, two of them were by Marie Kondo. And today, two years on, Alison says not much has changed. And in the top 20 business books, 19 were by men. And the one woman was writing on self-care. And it made me laugh, kind of laugh or cry. Somebody described her as Marie Kondo for the mind. I thought, there we are, we're still in our box. Alison was looking at Amazon.co.uk. When I looked at Amazon.com recently, there were a few books at the top of the business category by women who were not Marie Kondo. But it's true, the vast majority were written by men. And looking at some of the titles, it made me wonder, who decides what is a business book? Because because some, would you, for instance, Lean In, would you call Lean In a business book or a self-help book? Well, and this is part of the problem. You know, the boundaries are very porous. And particularly these days, um, because you can put books in a number of different categories on Amazon, and because, frankly, there's so many books being produced, uh, there is a bit of a vogue for kind of books that cross genres. And <laughs> it's getting more and more difficult to classify them. And it's interesting. Goodreads have done a lot of research on this. One person will tag a book as self-help. Another person will tag it as business. Uh, it's difficult. If you're a bookseller, you have to decide which classification you're going to put it in. But given that so few of us buy our books from a bookstore these days, we just go on Amazon and, and it can be in multiple categories. So it's kind of become less and less important, really. Uh, I think it's interesting, though, that the, the books that tend to, and we're generalising, obviously, because, you know, if you don't generalise, you don't ever say anything. But um, the books that tend to make the bestseller list in the business classification by women tend to be either on the self-help side of things or specifically about women in business, which I think is interesting as well. It's it's relatively rare to just find a straightforward business book about the topic by a woman that isn't saying, oh, and it's by a woman and it's addressing the female side of things. She's totally right, but I'd never really thought about it that way before, even though since Lean In was published in 2013, I've received a torrent of pitches from PR people about this or that female author's new book on being a successful woman in the workplace. And some of those books are absolutely fantastic. I'm a huge fan of Lean In. That There's definitely a place for them. But if we get to the point where we assume that if a woman's writing a business book, it's somehow, you know, I don't, you know, the gender defines it, then we've sort of lost a bit of a battle there, haven't we? We should be able to just write a book about a topic and it not necessarily be aimed at women. I, I worry that we're ghettoizing ourselves somehow. When you discuss this with others in your industry, which I presume you have, I mean, what do they say? 
It's interesting. I think there's a sort of cultural blindness to it. I think most publishers would strenuously deny that there's any bias going on. Uh, well, certainly the ones I've talked to do. But it was interesting. I don't know, do you know the Catherine Nichols experience? She's a, it's a novel, so it's, it's slightly different, but it's just fascinating. She submitted a proposal uh, to agents for her novel and she submitted to 50 agents. I think she had two people uh, ask for the manuscript, sort of take her up on it. And she got some really quite patronising uh, responses back, something about her character not being feisty enough. And as soon as you see the word feisty, you're like, hmm, <laughs> there's a gender thing going on here somehow. <laughs> and so she sort of did an experiment and she created a pseudonym for herself, George somebody, and she sent it off again to 50 agents. Um, mostly new, but there was a little bit of overlap with the old ones. And this time... She had 17 requests for the manuscript. And one of the people who had rejected her first time round asked for the manuscript when he thought it was George. Same, same cover letter, same manuscript, same proposal, rather. Just incredible. I mean, that, that could be a freak, but it just sounds a bit suspicious, doesn't it? And, and what was interesting as well was she said even those who rejected her provided warmer, fuller letters of rejection. Oh, that is really, that is fascinating. But you know what, as you were speaking, something I, I thought about, you know, when you were, this idea of, well, can't women just write a book, you know, about business just as men are? But then the the sort of flip side of that is that, I mean, again, part of the reason I started the show is that women do have such different experiences in the workplace in general and in, you know, business in sort of more corporate life than men do for the most part. And I think when women are writing, so, so many of them, um, they're motivated because they want to help their fellow woman and that they, they acknowledge that we have to try different things to succeed in many cases. But I think what we need is a campaign to get more men to read more books written by women. Because, as I say, the, the ghetto sort of principle here is that we know that most books written by women are read by women. And, yeah. and, and, and again, Goodreads did some really interesting stuff on this. It's, it's, not, it's not just in business books again. But I think in 2014, so it's a little while back now, they, they looked at their stats and the 50 titles that were most read by men, 90% of them were written by men. And, and then they did the corollary and it was exactly the same. The 50 most read titles by women readers, 90% of those were written by women. And while you've got that, see, and I wonder how much of that understanding, if it, even if it's just subconscious understanding of how the market operates, is driving publishers when they're making those commissioning selections. Because if you've got a business market that's primarily still male, then it's commercial suicide to be putting out a book on a topic by a woman when you could put one out by a bloke. What do you know about the what do we know about the readers of business books of the top 20 business books? I mean, are are women reading these books to the same extent that men are? No, no. Uh, still being, I mean, what we know almost nothing about the purchases because that's Amazon's proprietary information and they don't share it with anybody, you know, fa fair enough. Um, that where we do have insight is places like Goodreads where people are recommending books, and there it's pretty clear that, uh, and that was what I was talking about earlier about how people classify books. There are books that a bloke would classify as um, a business book that a woman would classify as self help, but it's the same book, so it's, it's quite hard to get a sense of it. And I don't know whether that's because men prefer not to think of themselves as needing help. I don't know. It's, you know, there's probably loads going on underneath that. Or, or whether women prefer not to think of themselves as business book readers. I don't know. 
And what about women as business book writers? It's hard to do a complete tally of all the business books out there by women and men, but it seems fewer women want to showcase their expertise in a book. Why? Well, I mean, you're begging the question there in a sense, because um, if it, it could be that women don't write as much as men. It could be that they aren't published as frequently as men. It could be that they're not bought and therefore they're not appearing in the Amazon bestseller list. You know, there's a number of different places at which this could fall down. Um, but I think there is something right at that choosing to write a book moment um, where it just seems to be more fraught for a woman. You know, I talk to a lot of people and I coach men and women. Um, there is imposter syndrome there is fear in almost everybody but it it seems to be stronger as a rule in women that sense of standing up and being counted as the expert you know naming yourself as the authority in your area seems to be a bigger deal uh, generally for women than it is for men Um, and I think that's reflected in um, workplace as well isn't it you know a woman is much less likely to apply for a job if she doesn't fulfill all the criteria than than a man is. And I mean You talked about this in your Guardian piece two years ago, this idea of who am I to write a book? Which almost everybody feels, but it seems to be that much more crippling somehow for women. And I think the other thing that is very real, and I know because I've experienced it myself, is is time and focus. You know, writing a book is deep work and it's so hard to carve out time. And we know that women are still shouldering the bulk of domestic duties. So... For me, the only way I actually got my book finished in the end was to um, to get away from my family. I just left them. I went to an Airbnb cottage and just, you know, wrote and ate and slept and ran. And that was all I did. And my husband was just, go, do it, come back. <laughs> um, I just could not do it while I was at home because there was always something needing doing. And it's incredibly distracting. And I don't know whether that's just me. I don't think it's just me. I think women generally tend to have about 15 tabs running in their brain at any one time and sitting down and writing their book feels selfish somehow I mean I felt guilty going away and leaving my family and doing this work I did it but (laughs) but, you know I had to sort of fight the guilt and when women do complete a book they may be more reluctant than male authors to publicize it coming up in a minute There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. So Alison is a big proponent of men reading more books by women just so they can get a peek into our world, how things look from our perspective. After all, we live in a man's world for the most part. It's kind of like with this podcast. I have some male listeners and I love having them, but they're definitely in the minority. And I guess I shouldn't be surprised. You put women in the title of something or you make it clear that it is about women and you are most unlikely to get uh, anything other than a small male audience. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the reasons. I mean, my podcast is the Extraordinary Business Book Club. And one of the reasons it's extraordinary is that it has gender balance. So I alternate male, female guests, which is harder than it sounds, harder than it should be. 
uh, for all the reasons we've just discussed. But it was something that was really important to me ideologically. So it's not up there in the title, but it's absolutely baked into the, the principles, the premise and the structure of the show. And what's good, of course, is that I have a really... Well, I don't know, well balanced. I think I probably still have more women than men in my community actually thinking about it, which is probably because I'm a woman. But there are lots of men who listen and I hope they are getting blind. I mean, I'm pretty sure they don't listen on alternate weeks. They haven't kind of sussed. (laughs) They only get a bloke every other week. Um, So hopefully just by consistently delivering that 50-50 balance of men and women, you know, I'm achieving in my own little way something to, to forward gender parity. I'm still thinking about who reads what and why. And it seems to me that a lot of women are drawn to business books written by other women. Yes, I think that's true. And I think, you know, the Goodreads research tends to bear that out as well. You go for a role model, don't you? You go for somebody that you can relate to. I mean, one of the powerful things about a book is that you grow to almost know the author and like them and trust them. And maybe we feel that there's, we have a head start on that if it's written by a woman. I presume you've read a lot of business books by women. Yeah, I've read some terrific books by women. I mean, if, if anybody wants any recommendations, I have to say one of my all-time favourites is Angela Duckworth, Grit, which is fabulous. Um, I always recommend that to people. Uh, Bernadette Jiwa is wonderful as well. She's an Australian um, and she writes beautifully short, readable books um, that in a sense could have been, you know, they're, they're not women's books they're they're just books about business and marketing and so on but she just writes them beautifully um she blogs at the um the the art of storytelling i think that's right um who else um oh dory clark is fabulous as well she does um great stuff on the the new economy if you like dory clark has been a guest on this show twice and her newest book is called entrepreneurial you And if you want to check out Bernadette Jiwa's site, which I did, it's actually thestoryoftelling.com. I'll link you to her and the other authors Alison's mentioned today under this episode at thebroadexperience.com. And then I asked Alison how easy she found it to book illustrious female guests when they had a new book out. I told her I'd always wanted to get Anne-Marie Slaughter on this show, but she is tough to book for anyone who isn't a national network. So I hadn't managed to get her. Alison hadn't either. And maybe that's worth a conversation, is that I find it harder to get the top women writers to say yes to an invitation to the show. And that's in itself interesting. I think it makes it harder. There's very few times that um, I've written to a man inviting one to the show and he's turned me down. It has happened, but not often, or just not responded. It's happened more, I mean, again, not that often, but significantly more times. Uh, You know, Sheryl Sandberg was was one of my first uh, targets and you know I got a very polite message back from her uh, assistant saying no I'm sorry she's too busy and and I, I completely get that and I do wonder if it's to do with women being more frugal with their time uh, or less concerned about their platform I, you know it's, it's hard to know again what's behind that but I have definitely noticed uh, almost a more rigorous vetting um, and, and, and a quicker uh, rejection from top women That's really interesting. And hearing about that, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind for me is maybe they're saying no, because the more important they are, the more they think a smaller show maybe isn't worth their time. But if the men authors are saying yes, then maybe that does point to something else. Maybe that points to their assistant protecting them 
because of the women prioritizing the rest of their life family stuff stuff like that yeah that's my feeling because I've had some you know really big male names on the show and and fewer really big uh, women so yeah it's just interesting and it's frustrating before we wrapped up I wanted to ask Alison about what was going on under the surface in publishing I worked in publishing briefly at the start of my career and publishing tends to be pretty female dominated But at least from what I've been told by some of my listeners who work in publishing, it is still largely male at the top. Have you found that as well where you've worked? Oh, that's absolutely right. I mean, it's it's sort of funny, except it's not at all funny. When I worked at Oxford University Press, some wag put up a, a cartoon outside their uh, their office. Um, with, I think it was a punch cartoon or something. It said a good a good hierarchy needs a solid foundation of women at the bottom. <laughs> sort of this um, organogram with uh, with lots of women at the bottom and a sort of bloke at the top. And that is still how it works in an awful lot of companies. And you tend to get a lot of women in the lower level jobs, uh, editorial assistants, publicity, marketing, almost exclusively populated by women. Uh, And then men in the higher level support functions, finance, technology, Uh, HR is still women dominated, but um, the other ones and and on the boards, still uh, massively dominated by men. And, you know, there's a salary survey done in publishing every year shows the disparity, uh, which is, you know, it's not unique to us, but it's certainly no better in publishing than anywhere else. And it should be because actually you should be getting these people coming through to the senior leadership positions. I mean, there are a few brilliant examples of you know, women leaders in, in publishing and probably more than many industries, but, but still it's, it's way, way off parity. And even though Alison was a senior leader herself, she did choose to leave the business and strike out on her own. How does it feel now? I mean, obviously everything is so different when you're running your own business, but does it feel, does it feel freeing? Does it feel nice to be your own boss? Yes. I mean, it's terribly stressful, of course, but then, you know, all roles that matter are stressful. And this is stress of my own choosing. So it's a very different quality of stress. And I love it. It was very, very frustrating, you know, trying to do innovation in in a big company, in a disrupted industry with, you know, very, very risk averse. Um, and to be able to to turn on a sixpence and do something new and try it out is so liberating and, and so exhilarating. Yes, I, I can't. I think I'm probably unemployable now. I wonder the same thing about myself. (laughs) Which is fine. I'm good with that. (laughs) Alison Jones. She's the host of the Extraordinary Business Book Club podcast and the author of a brand new book of her own. It's called This Book Means Business. Clever ways to plan and write a book that works harder for your business. That's the broad experience for this time. As usual, I am always glad to hear from you. You can email me tweet me at Ashley Miltite or hit reply on the newsletter if you're a subscriber to that. And if not, you can sign up via thebroadexperience.com. And if you have two minutes to write a quick review of the show on iTunes, I would really appreciate it. I'm Ashley Miltite. Thanks for listening. See you next time. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.